C.S. Lewis says, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until we have something to forgive. <laughs> forgiveness is one of the most difficult paths a person can take on this side of heaven. It often seems easier to remain angry than it is to forgive those who hurt us. The truth is, probably the anger that we hold dear to is probably deserved. But the choice to forgive and release those who have hurt us is one of the greatest gifts one can give. Forgiveness is a command from God first, and second, a choice for us to obey. It has nothing to do with how you feel. In fact, if my feelings were predicated upon me forgiving someone, I would not forgive them. The Bible is full of commands and reasons why we must forgive. Yet, when we read it, we read it as though the scriptures are not speaking to us. You know that part that says, just as God has forgiven you, that we are to forgive one another. Forgiveness is the nucleus of Christianity. It is one of the most important parts of why we believe what we believe. There are two sides to the story of forgiveness. It is the need for forgiveness, and it's the need to forgive. The Barner Group, which is a leading research organization that focuses on the intersection of faith and culture, did a survey of about 1,500 Christian adults. And they said around one out of four practicing Christians has a person in their life that they just can't forgive. Of this group, two-thirds have a circumstance in which they don't want to forgive. And then it said, the, the survey says, of those who can't forgive, admit that they wish they knew how to do it. I believe the, the reason why we struggle with forgiveness, forgiving others, is that we do not have an understanding or a comprehension of what really Christ accomplished for us on the cross. John 3.17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent his son so that we might be saved through him by sacrificing himself on a cross. He took the punishment of us all. That every sin that we have done, he took it upon himself. Nothing is beyond his redemption. The blood of Christ is enough. He died for our past, our present, and our future sins. So I don't know what your story is here today. Maybe you've been betrayed by someone, by maybe a, fr a friend or a spouse. There's physical abuse or sexual abuse in your past. You've been rejected. Maybe you got fired off of a job. Or you saw an email that you shouldn't have seen. Perhaps it's something that goes even further in my childhood. But whatever it is, it is my prayer for you today that you will begin the journey of forgiveness because your spiritual health and your Christian growth depends upon it.
So I have a couple disclaimers. I know that this is not an easy topic. The room probably will be quiet because I hope and pray, and I really mean this, that the Holy Spirit deals with your heart as he dealt with mine. Because as I'm speaking right now, the Holy Spirit is bringing things in your mind of what you need to forgive. And I don't want to speak today as though making your situation lightly or minimize the pain that you've gone through. Because some of us have gone through some deep, traumatic situations. But I want you to know that there's hope and there's help for you today. Amen. Jesus is our healer, yes. and he's able to heal. Yes. I'm one to believe that Jesus and therapy go together. Yes. Jesus is the healer. Yes. Therapy may be what you need to peel away the layers depending on how deep the pain is. But I encourage you to understand that it has to be Jesus first and then therapy. Not therapy and then Jesus. Understanding forgiveness. Forgiveness is necessary for salvation. Uh, Paul proclaimed it when he was preaching in the synagogue on his first missionary journey he says, forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you that through him everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed under the law of Moses. There is no salvation without forgiveness. Salvation and forgiveness of sins only comes through Jesus Christ. Um, Peter proclaimed in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, he says, There is no salvation under anyone else under the name of heaven whereby we, given among men whereby we can be saved. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. Salvation and forgiveness, while they are related, they are not the same. Salvation is God's delivering us from the consequence of sin. Forgiveness is God's erasing our sins. Amen. Ephesians 1 7 says, So overflowing is his kindness towards us that he took away all of our sins through the blood of his son by whom we are saved. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, beginning at verse 13, also says, For he has rescued us. And has drawn us to himself out of the dominion of darkness. And has transferred us into his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. The term salvation comes from the Greek word which means to be delivered or to be rescued. When we have been rescued from the penalty of sin and from the sin to have power over us, we have the victory, as Romans chapter 6 declares. The biblical meaning of the term forgiveness means to let go, to give up, to no longer keep. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says, that our sins are all washed away. 
Forgiveness is like a financial debt being erased, a sin debt being erased. It's as, as if God has this huge shredder that he shreds the documents of our sins into these little tiny micro mini pieces that can't even, been, can't even be uh, read or they're not even legible. When God forgives our sins, we are free. Our sins are wiped away. God will not hold us against, they will, he will not hold them against us anymore. As the psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions. Forgiveness from God and forgiving others are connected. The Bible speaks of God's forgiveness of sinful man and the forgiveness of one another. Though the two are unrelated, but they are vitally linked. Forgiveness is beautiful when you need it, but it's ugly when you have to give it. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, Jesus gave his disciples the pattern of how to pray. In fact, in verse 12, he tells them how they are supposed to forgive others and how it's supposed to be patterned. Now, what I find so interesting that even at the end of that prayer, after he said amen, he went back to the subject of forgiveness in verse 14. He said, for if you forgive others of their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you um, your transgressions. So is the scripture saying that in order for God to forgive me, then I have to forgive others? Well, what Jesus was explaining, he made a statement about forgiveness in verse 12. He says, God's forgiveness of sin is not based on me forgiving someone. Me forgiving someone is based upon me realizing that I have been forgiven. Ephesians says it well in chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you and all of your sins. Colossians 3 says, verse 13, bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other if one has a cause for a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you should forgive another. My forgiveness of others has everything to do with my relationship with God and me comprehending the depth of how much I've been forgiven. Well, intimacy with God and day-to-day -day fellowship when I'm unwilling to forgive, the scripture says that my confession of sin and my fellowship with God is dependent upon me forgiving others. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Personal fellowship with God is what Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 and 15 
is speaking of. It's not speaking of salvation from sin. One cannot walk in fellowship when you are unwilling to forgive. Our Christianity is two-dimensional. It's the vertical relationship, my relationship with God, and it's the horizontal relationship, my relationship with one another. Our horizontal relationships are always a reflection of my vertical relationship with God. So what that means is if I'm willing, unwilling to forgive, I have some spiritual issues going on. John 13, 35 says, everyone will know that you belong to me by your love for one another. My treatment of others is always a reflection of where I am spiritually. Forgiveness is essential for me to grow as a child of God. Colossians tells us to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that I may walk in a manner that pleases the Lord in all aspects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. God's desire for us is to have insight into his purpose for us. That is the spiritual wisdom and understanding in all spiritual things. Forgiveness is spiritual. So that we may walk in a manner that pleases him. Having the right view of God and being filled with the knowledge of his will. God uses our mess that messes us up to take us where he wants us to be. It's having the right view of God as Romans 8.28 says that he works all things out for the good because there's a purpose in why he allowed it to happen so that we may be conformed to look like Jesus Christ. The greatest story ever told about forgiveness is, in the, is about the life of Joseph in the word of God. He told his brothers, he said, what you meant was evil. He declared that you did evil towards me. He said, but God meant it for good. God allowed it for good. Forgiveness is an obligation. The obligation is not because I have a religious duty, but the obligation is because we love Jesus, or so we proclaim to love Jesus. We are obligated by the way, by way of our testament, that we belong to the Lord. Christ loves, so are we to love. Christ is long-suffering, so are we to be long-suffering. Christ, he forgives, and so are we to forgive. The grace of God obligates us to do the duties that he has called us to do as it relates to our relationship with others. God always enables us to do the things by way of his grace. 
John chapter 14, verse 12 says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will even do it greater. What Jesus is saying is because of the Holy Spirit that reigns in my life, he promises me that I will do even greater works. Forgiveness is not an option, but it's the best option. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And he didn't stop there. He said, this is the greatest and foremost commandment. And he said, the second one is just like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus teaches us how to treat one another, and he says to love. He says to forgive. Jesus is referring in this passage of scripture, the same people that he referred to to love is the same people that he referred to to forgive. And that is your neighbor, whomever your neighbor may be. Biblical forgiveness is predicated upon love. It is important to understand biblical forgiveness because we live in a time where we address forgiveness. Even Oprah addresses forgiveness. However, we never link it to sin. That's the issue in the psychology world, is that we don't link it to sin. The relationship between God and the forgiveness was on full display when he died on the cross. Forgiveness was the act, and love was the reason for the act. The relationship between love and forgiveness is so strong, they are inseparable. One is the motivator or the other one. A, one commentary put it like this. Love is needed to forgive. We are called to do both, not just one or the other. To love is to forgive, and to forgive is to love. God gave us two commands. Christ epitomized it on the cross, proclaiming the good news that through him there is true love and forgiveness. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, keeping his commandments is not an option. He also said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45 through 36, why call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say? Well, if we call him Lord, and he is, then it's not an option. 1 John 4, 20 says, if someone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or his sister, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother and his sister, whom he has seen, you see every day, cannot love God whom you have not seen. And this commandment we have for him, that the one who loves God must love his brother and his sister. Well, if we love God, forgiveness is not an option. It has no limitations. Peter asked the question in Matthew chapter 18, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? 
Jesus said unto him, no, I do not say seven times, but 70 times seven, which equals 490. Now, Peter, being who Peter is, he thought he was doing something. Because see, in the Jewish teaching, they were commanded to forgive three times. So he going to throw that out there, say what, seven times? And the Lord said, no, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. And what God is saying, in, there's infinity. There's no limit to how many times we are to forgive. Every time an offense occurs, we are to forgive. Every single time. Because if you do not, your marriage will not be blessed. If you do not, you will never be happy in your church. If you do not, you will not find people that you can get along with. If you do not, you'll never find a job that satisfies you. And not only are we to forgive every single time, we don't keep record of it. You know how we say, you know, I remember the time. I'm real good at that when it comes to my husband. I remember when. I remember that time you did that before. That's not forgiveness. Forgiving others is the consequence of our sins being forgiven. Now, the word consequence means the result of something. But if you think of consequence as it relates to the law of gravity, think of water. Water is it's a molecule that is sticky. Water sticks together, and the molecules stick together, and they form a flat surface. So water is always at a flat surface. If you throw water up, what is the consequence of water being thrown up? It comes down. A ball. A ball was made to bounce. So the natural consequence of throwing a ball is it's going to bounce. If there's fire, the natural consequence of fire is heat. If you've been born again, the natural consequences of my sins being forgiven is that I have been empowered to forgive. We have been empowered to forgive. I don't care what the circumstance is or what the offense is. Because I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And so what happens at the moment of the offense, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, the Holy Spirit comes and he says, I'm ready. This is what I do. But me being in my flesh, I can't forgive. They hurt me. And I begin a struggle. But the Holy Spirit is reminding me every chance he gets that you must forgive. And so because it's a natural consequence, then I begin to struggle back and forth of why or me not being able to forgive. It's like what Romans chapter 7 tells us, that I can will to do what is right, but I cannot do it. That's what Paul said, even though I will it. And he said, I no longer know that it's not me, but it's the sin 
that dwells within me and it begins to be a struggle. But it's a natural consequence of having Jesus as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit living inside of you that you struggle to forgive. Matthew chapter 18 the par- is about the parable of the unmerciful servant. Uh, servant. The story is about a man who had a debt, a huge debt, that he could not pay. And so the king wanted his money. And he begged and he pleaded and asked to give him time to pay it. Well, the king went even further. He said, I tell you what, I'm going to erase the debt. So as soon as his debt was erased, he forgot. As I told the class, uh, the other class is like, I remember when I disciplined my children and when they were younger, and they'd go back and do the same thing, and I would say, oh, he forgot. He just need me to remind him. <laughs> we forget. And that's what this servant did. He forgot that he was forgiven. And the Bible, I love this translation where it says the servant was so soon, no sooner out of the room that he left the king. That when he came upon his fellow servant, he said, oh, you owe me some money. <laughs> then he demanded that little bitty of $10. He demanded that. And the Bible said he took the man's throat and was like demanding it to the point you're going to pay me back. The message of Jesus' parable is this is the same way the king was willing to forgive, to even erase the debt, so are we to forgive. Jesus teaches that forgiveness, both the giving and the receiving of it, is reciprocated, and one cannot have it without doing it. You can't have forgiveness without giving forgiveness. The moment of the offense that happens in my life or the situation, we must allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. Because, see, he, he, he comes and he says, this is what I do. Let me do it. Move out the way. I'll do it on your behalf. Let me do it. But because of our sin nature, we fight against it. I cannot separate the divine forgiveness that God have towards me and my forgiveness of others. There is a bond. Forgiveness and fellowship with God. Jesus explains in Mark chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, when you pray, if you have anything against someone, you are to forgive. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that we can't, we can't hold any grudges. If someone has offended you, you are to forgive that person. Remember, we're not talking about a feeling, but we're talking about a decision. We are not to think about even going before the Lord. If I have a grudge, unforgiveness affects my relationship with the Lord. James tells us that the prayers of a righteous man avails much. There's benefits to being righteous. And I'm going to tell you something. I pray for my children. And I want God to do a transformation in their life. And it's not worth me holding on to a grudge because I want God to work in their life. And so I want the benefits of being righteous 
when it comes to my children, forgiveness leads to sin. Unforgiveness is a sin that causes bitterness. Um, the Bible warns us against bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, and no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble, so many may be defiled by it. Root of bitterness. If something takes root, if it's watered, it's going to grow. And that's what happens when we allow the bitterness to take root and we begin to feed it. Unforgiveness robs us of the full life God intends for us. It festers into forgiveness, into bitterness, and it opens the door for the enemy to take advantage of us. That's what Paul said. He said, for your sake, he told the Corinthian church, for your sake, I forgave in Christ Jesus so that the devil was not able to take advantage of the situation. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, don't even let the sun go down on your wrath or you're angry or give dev the devil room to, for such a, a foothold or an opportunity. The devil, in order to have a stronghold, he has to get a foothold. And I heard this minister say one time, he said, you can't afford to let him in the house, in the room, because he don't stop at the door. He comes in and he will take over. All he needs is a reason. Unforgiveness hinders our prayers. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. My prayers don't leave the room. If you harbor resentment and bitterness in your heart towards one another, it literally blocks your prayers. All you're doing is being religious in your prayer. You know that feel-good moment you do so I can check off that I did my devotion this morning? That's all it is, is a religious act. The word regard means to cling to or to hold on to. If you're practicing sin as a Christian, whatever sin, it will bring your prayer life to a screeching halt. The psalmist emphasized to regard iniquity in your heart is rebellion. If you are nursing a grudge against someone, your prayers will not be answered. I heard someone say that nursing a grudge, unforgiveness is like roadkill. It's like eating roadkill. Now, me, I can't even look at roadkill, let alone eating it. But that's what we do. We allow the poison, it to poison us to that degree. And then it begins to torment us. Satan is looking for opportunities to always get a foothold in our life. That's what Peter said. Is he walks around like a lion seeking who he may devour. And one of the ways we give place to the devil is we allow demonic torment by unforgiving. The very thing that you are unwilling to forgive is the very thing that is controlling you. We harbor bitterness in our hearts and we become just like the man in the parable. We're in prison and we're tormented. Not only does it torment you, but it torments those that are around you. Being anger and bitterness 
into, you're bringing anger and bitterness into every relationship. Have you ever been around somebody that's bitter? Somebody that's resenting? And, and not only that, we become so wrapped up in the wrong that has happened in our life till we can't even enjoy where we are presently. Medical studies say that there's a direct link of unforgiveness to our mental health. It causes depression. It causes anxiety and panic attacks and more. In fact, even the Mayo Clinic says forgiveness also improves our mental health. It lowers blood pressure, it relieves stress, and it helps our immune system. You want to know why you can't lose any weight? And, and I don't mean that in any funny any way, because I know it's happened to me. When you're holding on to stress, and things in your life, it will affect your metabolic system. That's a proven fact. Forgiveness does not always involve anyone else. In fact, it doesn't involve anyone else. I don't have to put it on platform and be gossiping about forgiveness. And what I mean by that is that I'm talking to everybody about my situation instead of committing it to the one who can do something about it. The Lord says if we commit our ways to him, he will bring it to pass. That's what he promises us. When we choose to forgive, we're not condoning the hurt. But what we end up doing is making ourselves available for the Lord when we choose to forgive. It is releasing the bitterness and the resentment is what it does. Forgiveness also provides freedom. Galatians 5.1 says it's for freedom that you have been set free. Therefore, standing firm, do not subject yourself to the yoke of bondage. Forgiveness is freedom. Unforgiveness is bondage. Forgiving gives us the freedom to move forward. For unforgiveness keeps you right where you are. Um, when we don't forgive, we don't gain any steps. We don't move forward at all. In fact, we get, we're stuck right where we are. Have you, you remember the movies? I might be dating myself, but you remember the movies where they used to show about the quicksand? And they used, to, they used to traumatize me, seeing people going down slowly. And it was if, it was like, oh my goodness, it caused me anxiety seeing them going down. It's like, help them, somebody help them. Well, that's exactly what happens to us when we choose not to forgive. It's as if you're in quicksand and you are going down and no one is able to help you. We have to trust God to bring justice for the offense. The Lord says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, never take revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written that I will repay, says the Lord. God's anger is righteous. My anger can always lead to sin because I don't deal with it righteously. My flesh enjoys revenge. You ever been cut off by somebody driving? I mean, you just want to catch up with him and glare at him if nothing else, right? That's what we do. We want to get revenge. But God says no. We are commanded to never take revenge. 
God knows everything. He sees the injustice that is done towards you, and he will bring it to pass. When Paul quoted Romans chapter 12, verse 19, he took that from Deuteronomy chapter 32, 35, which to me shows that God has always declared his intention to take vengeance against those who have been wrong. Forgiveness versus reconciliation. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 says, So if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and while you remember that your brother has something against or grievance against you, leave your offering and go to the altar. Make peace with your brother and then present your offering. What Jesus is saying is don't bring your pious and religious service to me if you have some issues with someone. I don't even want it. Yet, we come to church, we sing in the choir, we teach, we do the works that God has called us in the church, knowing that I have a grudge with someone. And God says, I don't even want it. You must deal with the grudge first. God always desires us to, bro to mend broken relationships. Jesus stresses the importance of resolving conflicts in this passage of scripture, that it is so serious that you can't even come and work for me if you got a grudge against someone. That's how serious it is. When a believer realizes they've done something to make someone angry, the flip side, if you've caused someone to have some issues, then it is your place to go and ask for forgiveness, to repent. But sometimes we hesitate to forgive because we automatically think that it has to be about reconciliation. It just depends on the offense. Sometimes my feelings are so hurt that I gotta work that thing out. And and I just don't I just don't want to be in your presence because I've been hurt. It doesn't mean I'm not willing to forgive, but I'm not ready to reconcile. And that is okay. But I must forgive and trust God for the reconciliation. There are two separate, reconciliation and forgiveness are two separate processes. And one does not always lead to the other. One person can forgive, but it always takes two to reconcile. When we struggle to forgive, it's because we want reconciliation without forgiveness. And you can't have that. It's, it's as if it was like the story of the prodigal son. When his son had came to his senses, when he realized he had messed up, his father was standing in the distance and saw him from afar, and he went to meet him. There was already forgiveness going on in the father's heart. And so that when his son came to repent, he didn't even let him finish. He just said, we're going to celebrate. That's what it means to forgive. That you don't go after the reconciliation. You look for the reconciliation. You hope for the reconciliation. But you work on the forgiveness. Forgiveness is given and trust is earned. Sometimes the defense does not warrant reconciliation. Depends on the fence, offense. And we can be encouraged because Jesus did not trust everyone. So we don't have to trust everyone. Jesus said, 
he did not trust everyone because he saw that their hearts were evil. People are evil. And sometimes even in our process of forgiveness, they don't see that they've done anything wrong. And so I don't need to subject myself to being hurt again. Does that make sense? Depend on God and trust the journey. Forgiveness is truly a journey. Galatians 5, 16 says, But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit literally means to keep walking. Don't stop walking. To be led by the Spirit involves the desire to hear and the readiness to submit to God's word. We can experience victory in our lives by depending upon the Holy Spirit. We have to trust when we understand that forgiveness is not easy, but it's biblical. Forgiveness is not approving or diminishing the sin that has happened. Forgiveness is not enabling the sin. It's not denying. You don't deny it. And you don't deny the wrongdoing. You don't, it's not waiting for an apology. I'll forgive when they, when they apologize. Yes, there needs to be repentance for full forgiveness. But we are always to have the heart to walk in forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not ceasing to feel the pain. That in my process of forgiving, forgiving oh, the pain is still there. I have to work through it. When we understand what forgiveness is not, then we can embrace what it is. And what it is is to cancel a debt. That's it. That's the nutshell of forgiveness. And then once we do that, it helps us to take the stance that nobody owes me anything. Who am I that this cannot happen to? What makes me so great that my feelings cannot be hurt? We are able to take that stance. The moment you decide to forgive is the moment you will move from being the victim. Even though you are the victim of an offense, you don't have to carry the victim mentality. John 15 says that if we abide in God, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, neither can we if, unless we abide, abide in him. He said, because apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't forgive without Jesus' help. The Lord grants us grace to give grace to others. And even in this process, this journey of forgiveness, there are times we have to to push the reset button, the refresh button, because depending on the fence, and you see the person again, and then all the feelings come up, and you have to say, okay, I've forgiven, and you have to walk through that thing again. I heard someone say, and this was the best advice or the best encouragement I've heard about forgiveness and how to forgive. She said, the moment you remember is the time you remind yourself that you have forgiven the offense. The moment. 
The choice to forgive begins with the transformation process by my actions to forgive. It's kind of like what Paul said when he said it's from moment by moment, glory by glory, that we're transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's step by step. That's what makes it a process. And I was sharing with the group earlier is that in my life, I have a stepdaughter, and my stepdaughter did not care for me, to put it bluntly. And there were a lot of issues, a lot of stuff, 30 years of it. And um, my feelings were always getting hurt, and it was, it was just, it was terrible. And, but I never stopped her from coming around. There were times I didn't even want to see her. I was like, when she coming, it's like, oh, man, why? Now, I'm going to tell you about my heart. There were times I didn't want to see her, but I kept on because in my mind, I knew that I had to forgive even though it was hard to forgive and even though I want to. So yesterday, her son uh, graduated from middle school, and we went to the graduation. In fact, she wanted me to come. And so when I went, we got ready to go, she came up to me with tears in her eyes. And she says, you know, I've been a witch, but she said it would have been um, <laughs> over the years. And I agreed with her. I said, yes, you have. <laughs> but she says with tears, but I want to ask you for forgiveness. <laughs> because God showed her. It wasn't her revelation. God showed her how wrong she was. And what she ended up telling me, she says, I don't know why, but you were a good person and you were a great mother. And I just ask you to forgive me. And all I could do was embrace her and say, you are forgiven. Even though that's full, that's full restoration. And that's what God will do when you walk in forgiveness. It may take some years, and it took some years. It, you, in fact, you may not never see it. But who is faithful? God is faithful to bring it to pass. And that's what it means to walk in forgiveness, that God sees the hurt. He saw all the times she came and all the things. He saw that. But I walked in forgiveness. I didn't do it perfectly. I had to ask sometimes to forgive because my heart wasn't right. But that's what the Lord does. We are always to forgive quickly and understand that it's a journey. And the journey is that you make a decision that you're going to forgive. That's it. You make the decision in your mind and you trust your heart to Christ so that you can carry it out. You trust the Holy Spirit because you know that you cannot do it on your own. And you obey God's word. And what did God say about those? He calls them enemies. He says to do what? Pray for your enemies. Those that abuse you and misuse you. And then what the Lord will do he says that he will reveal to them 
and show them and bring them out of their own deception. That's the victory we have in Christ Jesus by forgiving. And Romans tells us to bless those who curse you, bless and do not curse. Do not speak evil of those that have hurt us. You know, that's part of revenge, is we want everybody else to know what they did. And God says, no, do not gossip about it, because I will give you the victory. The victory comes from me and me alone. I love 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, where it says, Now that you have been purified yourselves by the obeying of the truth, so that you may have a sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart. When we obey God's word, there's a washing that occurs in our heart, the washing of the word. It's the word of God that washes us, that cleanses us and helps us to do what God has called us to do, to have a purified life. The scriptures ask, how can a man keep his way pure? And I love how it asked, and then it answered. It says, by, by keeping the word of God. Difficult circumstances refined our faith. Obedience to God's word refines our character. Peter says, obeying to love results in a sincere love for one another. When you obey to love, you can truly love. When you obey to forgive, you can truly forgive. Forgiveness is so important that our very relationship with God so depends on it. Healing occurs in our obedience to his command. Forgive one another just as God just as God has forgiven you through Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.